and welcome to a new episode of Lily High on Life and our really exceptional guest this week is the amazing Rita Panahi. <laughs> Rita, welcome to Lily High on Life. Oh, pleasure to be with you, Lily. Thank you. I was so excited about interviewing you because there are so few people that hold my views, not just about politics, but about life. <laughs> and, um, and there's you, and you espouse them every week, many times into many communities. Mm. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, because it's a lot. Um, yeah, it is a busy period. So Sky News is probably um, where you see me most. So we've got Outsiders, which is Sunday mornings. Um, I've got my show, The Rita Panahi Show, which is Friday nights. And then um, there's other spots you do throughout the week. And then The Herald Sun, which is our uh, paper here in Melbourne. It, it is the highest... Uh, selling paper in the country a lot of people think one of the sydney papers would have that honor but it's always over a long time being the herald sun and so i write um in there i write my columns for the herald sun and um yeah so it's it's a it's a very busy week but i do have um i have planned it so technically i have wednesdays off because i think you just need at least one day off a week absolutely otherwise um yeah, it can just be, even if you've got a couple of things on a day, a couple of commitments, when it rolls on week after week, it can get really taxing. So I had that for a period where I was working seven days a week and yeah, you just need one day aside to sort Absolutely. of... Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. And the fact that you give that to yourself <laughs> also <laughs> means that, uh, that you're taking care of yourself as well as everything else you've got. What do you love? What's a favourite part of what you're doing? Work-wise or... Yes. Oh, gosh. Um... Oh, it's also different. You know, they're all different. Um, they all take something different uh, to produce. Um, your I'll own show. When it's your own show, do you actually get to choose what's going on there? Or Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, and I forgot to mention the other thing I do, which I did today, so you would think it would be fresh in my mind, <laughs> which is um, apart from the show I do for Sky News, which is for the network, I also do the same uh almost the same format so it's the Rita Panahi show over time so that's another hour but that's purely for our digital platforms because that's where the bulk of our audience is that's where we've got a huge audience so that goes not just on the website but the YouTube channel and obviously you know um, it's a podcast on Spotify it's on Flash it's on you know all those sort of digital and that would be an international audience yeah well that's the thing with Sky News Australia a lot of people don't realize uh, our online digital audience is massive and it's much bigger than the free-to-air networks it's bigger than what the abc has it's um and a lot of it is based in the us the uk and obviously australia as well so um that's somewhere where we really excelled and we're focusing on because that's just a uh where the numbers are and also where the growth is as well so so that that's an exciting part of the business so i probably do enjoy that because when you do that you can focus on 
uh, it just happens that that's the areas that I'm most interested in as well. So when you do the program for the for TV station, you obviously have to have a very good mix of local and international. You can't just have international content unless you know it's a tailored international show. But if you're if you've got uh, a prime time slot, you're expected and you should be doing local news as well because the audience wants that and that's what you're there for. So um, you, yeah, so th- that's the big difference between the two programs the digital stuff is a lot more international in its content and between all of that you really get to talk and pick and choose what you want to talk about it's a lot of content i mean outsiders is kind of known for that obviously is a two-hour show and it has three hosts but it's known for just going through so many topics at a really rapid pace so um, sometimes you get to have the luxury of digging into an issue and 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 having a proper discussion but uh, when you've got three hosts one of the advantages is you can actually cover a lot have that bit of banter have the essential bits of information and then you know you move and on then to you've the next got thing. your podcast so you can follow up pick up do whatever yeah so the the, the di- digital show um some people just uh, listen to that so it, um, access it via a podcast but yeah you can watch it on flash or on on, on our youtube channel or on, or on skynews.com.au so it's um and all the other there's so many digital platforms i can hardly it really is amazing <laughs> um so did you um when you started in journalism and you were um, a journalist writing mm. uh, to start with did you envisage going into television how did all of that happen for you no look I was never I don't consider I consider myself a columnist commentator I have obviously done pieces which are reporting or a more sort of traditional form of journalism but I like to really distinguish between the two I think that's one of the reasons why trust in the media is um so low uh, is because those lines are being blurred. So, you know, you've got opinion and then you've got news and news reporting should be, should be, most of the time it isn't, should be entirely impartial. It should be fact-based. It should be straight down the line. None of the journalists' own views and biases should be apparent in the copy but sadly that's not what we see whilst opinion is obviously um the, whatever the, you want what, it yeah to be. What, what the but i mean obviously you will you back up what you're saying by by quoting relevant facts and figures and studies or what, whatever it is however you want to put it together but that's one of the things i don't like is there's so many news pieces you sit you read or even see on television and it's very apparent that you're only getting part of the picture or whatever you're getting has been heavily influenced by the biases of the reporter and that discipline of um, separating those two is is not as apparent as it should be and we do have a lot of activist journalists in all mediums who um, 
Yeah, but, you know, Rita, it's not unfortunate. What you've described Mm. is what it should be and what it used to be. But it's not just the journalists anymore. Mm. It's the whole network of people. Mm. So you have their bosses. And what I wanted to ask you, because you actually speak to a lot of these people as well, Mm. how is it possible that really smart, clever people who are supposed to be journalists mm. can be so gaslighted, lied to. Do they really believe yeah, the they garbage? Yeah, they do. They do. I, I mean, I don't... A lot of people say, oh, you know, they're writing what they're told or reporting on, you know, TV or radio, whatever the medium is, what they're told or they're doing it for the money or they don't. No, it's, 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 it's purely ideology. It's just people in the media overwhelmingly lean left always have and um, in western nations anyway i'm not sure about the other countries really fairly excited by the fact that the majority of people certainly in the u.s and i think increasingly here i don't think it's a majority here but it's certainly a majority in the u.s are very much awake to the media's um, shortcomings um, and the politicians as well. I mean, yeah, and, what and, and, Biden's and done is like that. You know, the media biases mean that you know the Biden administration is never going to be held to the same standard that the Trump administration was because you know they were out to kill Trump as soon as he was, or even before he was elected. You know, the, the entire. Uh, the, the entire agenda was to undermine his presidency and to have just, you know, one rolling crisis after another, you know, was the Russian collusion hoax or, you know, the more ridiculous sort of uh, crises they conjured up. But yeah, I think there was a poll. I mean, they poll this sort of stuff in the US fairly often, so it's easy to sort of keep track of public sentiment. But they poll trust in the media and amongst Republicans. Um, one I don't poll trust I polls. saw. I don't. Well, yeah, people do lie to pollsters, but I think they're still the best guide we have. But it was only 11% of Republicans who had um, trust in the media. So, like, one in 10 is a fairly yeah. um, deplorable number. And it's not surprising because they've seen, you know, how. Uh, issues have been covered they've seen how consecutive presidents have been treated and and you know like take the border crisis you know that was made into this massive deal under trump that there's kids in cages and it's like you know they were making all the usual tired nazi comparisons and all this nonsense when you know the cages came around under the previous administration um and there were a lot less people. And now that those cages are full and some of these pictures coming out of the detention, I mean, you know, they've, they've got record numbers crossing illegally. Um, none of that seems to be an issue. You know, it only becomes an issue if Texas or Florida sends a bus full or a plane full to some Democrat area. And then <laughs> it's an outrage. so brilliant. The Martha's Vineyard thing Martha's, was well, so they, they brilliant. They completely freaked out. I mean, this is like an affluent... Uh, you know, you would think the most well-equipped place to deal with an influx of needy people, but they didn't last 24 hours. <laughs> and they're supposed to be a sanctuary city. So all these sanctuary cities that, you know, say no human is illegal, um, you know, 
that they, they don't practice what they <laughs> preach so, at all. No, at so all. that's that's it. And I think you know, that as 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 biased as this big tech giants have been, they have also still provided a level of transparency. I think just things like seeing journalists on Twitter when they, um, again, not opinion leaders or not um, analysts or co- uh, columnists or whatever, opinion people, but people who are supposed to be, you know, completely hoping to be impartial. And then you see their Twitter activity and you see, wow, they're very political and they're very set in their ways. And you know, we're like, oh, well, that kind of explains what I heard on the radio or that's what explains what I saw on television. So I think in that way, it's been illuminating. And Same with gone for Elon Musk because we were able to get proof of what was really happening. Have, yeah. you happened, have you had a chance to listen to the Senate hearings that are, were going on last week oh, yeah. where they had the Twitter executives, these kids in their 20s 30s maybe 40 and it's like who gave you the right yeah yeah i I saw that that was um but yeah i mean if you're on twitter a lot and i'm on twitter a lot like none of that was surprising like everything that's come out in the twitter files is pretty much what we suspected and what we knew was happening because like you know just about every big conservative account has had shadow bands or what they call visibility filters um i've had it on my account like even this morning i went to tweet about um james o'keefe who was the founder and ceo of project veritas and he's just um left those positions as as ceo and um and we follow each other and so he should be able to come up very easily as a verified account too and i put in his full name and all these imposter accounts all these fake accounts came up his didn't so i had to um when i was trying to at him to to link to something i had to get out of it do a search on him find him copy the Twitter address and then put it in my and it was just ridiculous it was like this is a guy who's got like I don't know he's probably got over a million followers he's verified we follow each other all the algorithms means when, when I put in at James O like he should pop up but uh, the sh- that's that's one of but these so called visibility filters so it's not just suppressing the reach of your tweets it's suppressing people's ability to find you um your tweets and to, you yeah. have a lot of visibility so you know most people feel powerless to do anything mm. but you have a platform so you're able to at least broadcast and share are there is there more you'd like to do is there a frustration how do you feel about the fact that so many people are getting scammed um, scammed by, I think, like misled by media. Correct. Um, well, I mean, I just think a lot of people in Australia are just generally apathetic. So they they just don't care. I, I mean, I just think they've got other priorities. They, you know, might watch a few minutes sure. of the 6 o'clock news. They might look at the headlines. But the news cycle isn't you know particularly important to them so um and i don't 
begrudge them that. Like if that's not a priority, are. then I don't think you're obliged to be um, interested and engaged. But the rest of them, like if you are politically active or even just, you know, you're invested in the news cycle, there's so much now where, you know, you have the opportunity now to get a wide source, you know, a wide-ranging um, sources of information. So, you know, like we've all got like a powerful computer in our hands, you know, I can... You can read. do stuff. Well, yeah, and you can read widely. You can read from, you know, you can you can see how, say, the Federalist might treat a topic compared to the Huffington Post or the Daily Beast or, you know, how CNN handles something compared to mm. Fox News. And, and, and so there is so much opportunity to... Um, be informed, but then I know you can also be, you know, misinformed. Well, and sometimes people who are as really active online are some of the most misinformed people. So understandable that so many people went along with it, but you, you're you not somebody that goes along with anything that doesn't feel right for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and Rita, you actually... Um, seem to have planned you plan before you jump Mm. which is really nice and what I mean by that is that um, your decision to go into journalism your decision um, that you make all the time Mm. about which shows you will um, agree to sub for and have you sort of planned your life going forward with Um. anything Apart from you won't work on Wednesdays. <laughs> well, this year. This year. I worked on Wednesdays last year. Um, no, I, I, I do think, like, over the, you know, working insane hours the last few years, you do need that one day off. Even if it means you're working more on another day, just it gives you just this. But are you a planner? How do you, um, do, how do you make those decisions? I mean, I've, like, end of last year, I signed up for another two years and the thinking there was um, that my son started VCE this year, so he's got two more years of high school. And so at the end of that, I can make a decision about, okay, do I want to stay here? Do I want to move to a different city or even move overseas? So um, I'm not one who sort of has these firm five-year, ten-year plans and, you know, it's goals are up on my fridge. I'm, I'm not that sort of person, but um, I'm not also just sort of live day to day. There is some, you know, uh, planning uh, ahead and just, just options of, um, you know, what's How and best. What? Yeah, so How I, and that what? I haven't decided. I mean, a lot of it will depend on... Um, if my son wants to move to the U.S., he, I mean, he's keen to live in the U.S. He probably will end up going to college in the U.S. Um, that's his current plan anyway. But my question was more yeah, yeah. that um, you have, um, it was very important to you to be financially secure and successful. Yeah. 
and yeah. you started planning for that quite early on. Did it have anything to do with um, being an immigrant here and um, watching the differences? Because you were born in America, but you grew up in Iran. That's right. And I love some of the things that I've read and heard about <laughs> all of that. But talk to me in terms of how you felt that, um, how you decided that you were going to be financially secure and went about doing that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's very important because financial security gives you options and gives you choices. They're the same thing, options and choices. What the hell? When did you realise um, that? I've been up since 4am this morning and it's like oh. around 8 now, so that's probably I've, why I'm not no, as no, coherent as you. I could I be. really appreciate um, you uh, coming anyway. This is one of the but, early mornings. Um, uh, so, yeah, financial security is very important because it gives you options so when did you realize that like what, oh, when early you on. first came here so when you were still oh no school? no not that early because I was only about eight or nine then but um it was yeah it, it's pretty apparent that if you don't have that um you're obliged to do things you don't want to do you might have to work in an industry or in jobs you don't like or you may have to I don't know go and marry somebody you don't want because you need you need the financial security so you know it, 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 just having that independence and um and you worked in the financial sector yeah. was that part of what well yeah i mean that was essentially um was something, it something you were encouraged to do from home no, or something that you just realized that was important and so you went ahead well no it's important i don't think that's like a particularly but not a lot of people know how no, to do it. I don't. That's it. I mean, I think you know, it's not a particularly profound sort of realization to know that, you know, you should have, you should be able to um, create wealth if you work hard and if you work smart. And having wealth gives you certain um, opportunities that lack of wealth won't. But it's, so, no, it's not even about the wealth and it doesn't matter. Well, what, ha, but what about how to get there. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know how to get there, but I did know um, finance sector was um, where, you know, there were all sorts of opportunities. You could climb the ladder. You could earn decent money. Um so yeah, it, it, it was it was something I picked, and also you know when you when I graduated from high school, I was seventeen. So uh, you know at that age, you don't always know precisely what you want to do for the rest of your life. But so so yeah, the choice was, well, I don't want to do an arts degree because that's a waste of my time. I don't really have the, um, uh, yeah, I. I, I engineering or you know that's really not my cup of tea <laughs> that wasn't going to be uh what I was going to do well in uh, for university so you know you kind of wheel down into what your strengths are and where the opportunities are um and again for a lot of kids who are from migrant backgrounds you don't have the network here necessarily not all migrant backgrounds but a, a lot of them um particularly if um you know, you don't have a big, a big uh, community and family here, um, so you don't have the benefit of getting that leg up from. 
family and and friends and you know perhaps your private school network or whatever so you have to kind of build you have to sort of start at the bottom and build and uh, you know climb the ladder by yourself you you can't have okay well I'm going to you know intern at this particular firm and they'll give me a, a through the door and they'll give me this opportunity you just don't have those options open to you so you do have to sort of work harder and uh, try to work smarter as well and but migrants do that really well I mean I love the fact that you think that the majority of kids just know that or or have that (laughs) attitude because um, it really is a minority and not a majority and also I mean when you started um, and you decided you were going to leave the financial and you were going to plan another life, you were able to do it. Well, that was was accidental. So I was always going to leave banking and finance, like, early. Like, I was always planning to, say, at 30 to leave it. So I got into it quite young. Um, I was still doing my undergraduate degree and I started working in the industry and I was like, why the hell am I even doing this degree? Like, I'm interviewing people for jobs and, you know, they've got postgraduate degrees and like you know it's it's it and i just couldn't see how that the degree gave me any benefit in in how to do totally the job day to day. so i was just like nah i'm gonna stuff that i did go back and do end up doing my degree well not that degree i ended up doing a master's in business, business. so it was a postgraduate um but really, it's a piece of paper. It means nothing. But it was it was always something that I was like, okay, I didn't leave that. I, I, that was incomplete. So I always thought, you know, it was something to go back and do. Um, but um, as far as staying in banking, yeah, it wasn't a passion. Like I didn't hate it, but I didn't particularly like it. So it was it was always I always gave myself an end date. So thirty at thirty, that was when I was going to leave. Um, and the media stuff kind of happened by accident. So it wasn't some, you know, grand design and, you know, yes. I'm going to transfer to this sector. It was really was by accident. So, um, <laughs> And I, you loved it and kept going with it and made well, it yeah, work. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I just had people – I never really – yeah, I, I just had people call me and say, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And it just grew from that. So and I, heard that, I read somewhere that your early articles, the first ones, mm. were judging the football players and that how was hot my best stuff. Um, so, no, the, 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 the way it all started was like um, – and this was the only bit of actual proactive stuff I did. I mean, if, if I was a bit more proactive, I could take a bit of credit for things. But so the only proactive thing I did was I was like looking at the paper and I was like, oh, the, the sports gossip is just so lame. And so, <laughs> you know, it's just embarrassing. So I wrote a note to the Herald Sun sports editor at the time. He's still at the paper in a different role. Um, and it was just this crazy letter saying, you know, this is just pathetic and I can do better in my sleep or, you know, it was a bit more, it, it was a bit more um, boastful than even that. Anyway, not expecting, it was just like a joke, but he called me and said, yeah, come in for a meeting. I'm like, what? Um, and then he, um, at the time we had MX, which was a, 
like a freebie paper, the News Corp had. So it was like I think they published like 100,000 copies a day and they gave them away in the CBD and the train stations. And he came out in the afternoon, not in the morning. So that was um, – and he goes – so he, he goes, yeah, go do this, what you're proposing, do it for MX. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it was like I was still working in banking and I did that as just sort of a hobby. It was like a, just a bit of a laugh on the side. And fun. And, <laughs> yeah, and then um, I when SCN, which is a radio sports radio station, which um, – uh, God – Oh, you wouldn't listen to it nowadays, but uh, in, the, in its previous life, um, it was just starting up, I think, and they called and wanted me to do, just trying to think, I think initially I was just doing one segment and then that grew to like an hour oh, and then more and more show and then that became, yeah, like a weekly show and and that was still really a hobby then it still wasn't really a job but then I started writing so the very first serious piece I wrote was when my son was born and it was about breastfeeding and it was all about you know breastfeeding rates and um, Australia's breastfeeding rates compared to other places and campaigns about around breastfeeding so that was like you know the most important thing in my world at that time so I wrote that and that was for the Herald Sun and so that was um, 2007 where I made the switch to okay I'm actually going to write it's not going to just be a hobby I'm actually going to you know put a bit of effort into it (laughs) and so I started doing uh, you know pieces about social issues political issues cultural issues and um so yeah it grew from there and then you know the the we went from and being the, the really important part about that also was that you initiated the contact i mean you only the first one after that everything that happened was people calling me which is not like if i'm giving advice to kids that's not the way to do it like you've got to be you've got to hustle you've got to chase you've got to push but i actually never did because having a banking finance background and not being a media person that stuff made me really uncomfortable so like i never even to this day i don't have what they call a sizzle reel like you know for ages i thought about putting one together but i never did because it was not beyond that initial joke letter to the sports editor there wasn't any hustle like a, like you know to this day i don't have a i don't have an age so what you're saying you really need to you really need to have a plan or goals and know how you're going to go um, after them or no because i didn't and i'm here but i'm saying if i was giving advice to a young person i wouldn't tell them to do what i did i would say i was exceptionally lucky that um you know, I got opportunities and people contacted me and asked me to do things and I did them and then that led to something else and that led to something else. But if I were advising someone who wanted to be in this industry, I would do it very differently to how I did it. I would have the hustle and I would chase things and I would, um, you know, so have a sizzle reel. I would send things to people who can help you um and give you opportunities i would probably have an agent i would probably have you know all the things i didn't do so i was just lucky like i would have 
somebody like I think I had the um, Sunrise producer who saw me tweeting something and he contacted me and he said oh do you want to come on Sunrise to have an argument about this issue and I was like oh really so and then I went and did that which was like you know really not my thing and it wasn't you know my area of expertise even it was just like you know I was just recounting um known data but you know it wasn't you know my obviously I'm not a uh someone who's expert in that in uh, what was that so, first one i think it was it was about um tornadoes or some sort of i don't know natural <laughs> disasters and then doing that someone saw me from sky news saw me do that segment um and asked me to appear on their show like do a panel or something and then that you know so it it, so i have been like exceptionally lucky that despite not having the hustle and not doing the self-promotion but also i had that your um, personality like the the most brilliant thing about you from my perspective is that you're completely authentic you're completely natural and you're comfortable in your own self which allows you to tell your truth or what what it is that you really think and believe well yeah i mean i mean i'm in that game there's nothing else to say but not why would you like, not a lot of people have that. What well, then they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be in the opinion game because, like, you have to be authentic. You have to say what you think. You have to. Otherwise, I don't even know why you'd want to be doing it if you're not saying what you think. Because what possible you pleasure could be could doing you have something? In it? Yeah, but you could be doing something completely different and still be a complete wuss because you don't have that belief in yourself yeah. and that self confidence. Well, no, I mean, and my I, question is, where do you think it comes from? Because you've definitely got it. You can see that yeah. a lot of people don't. Is it because of what you? went through when you were a child in Iran was it because of your family dynamic what was it do you think that gives you this sense this real sense of who you are um yeah I mean I'm sure that's all contributed to it so you know whether it's nature or nurture I'm sure it's a combination of both but I think if you've gone through any sort of hardship um you have less tolerance for bullshit Shit. and you kind of have a much greater sense of who you are and what you believe and what you stand for. Um, and, like, I'm, I'm someone who's got very strong convictions, so whether we're talking politically or personally, um, and I think people who have that are pretty unshakable in them. So even if, you know... A position, whether it's one a position that ninety percent of the people population agree with, or one that puts you as an outlier, it doesn't really matter because. Um, and one of the things that, like, I'm not one of those who wants to work until I drop dead. Like, you know, I always think about if you only had five years to live, what would you be doing? Would you be working the hours you're working? Would you be having, um, you know, dramatically different lifestyle? So I don't want to get to a point and regret. Rita, have there been things that have shaken you or that have made you question 
what you believe or you should do? Um, not really. No, I mean, the, the, the things where I'm, you know, like I may not, um, like I may have been naive about something. So, you know, once your eyes are open to something, then you, 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 so my, rule is always you know when people show you who who they are you believe them the first time so um but that doesn't mean you go through life not trusting anybody either but you know you don't um you don't allow yourself to be um used so that's like a big thing for me is um particularly when i talk to sort of young women is to have not just the belief, but the self-respect and to have that expectation that you're going to be... Self-respect is a huge one. Yeah, to be, you know, you're going to be treated well and you're going to um, have that independence and and strength to, you know, do what's right for yourself. Um, But again, that's not for everybody. You know what? Like, I sometimes think um, when you look at the number of women particularly like my generation was supposed to be the childless generation generation x but it's even bigger in amongst millennials and gen z's and um you know the predictions of the percentage who are going to be um going through life um not being mothers and that's perfectly fine like there's a lot of women who have no interest in that and good luck to them but if you actually do want to have that and your choices to take you to a position where you don't have that like that can be devastating because i know of some friends who um you know desperately wanted to be mums mm. and just circumstances and, and a variety of factors um stop that occurring and it's it's a regret you have to have to live with yeah. the rest of their lives so i really always thought i'd have 10 kids and be yeah. happily married and i never ma- haven't married yet did you want so you wanted I to have definitely kids. wanted okay. to have kids so at this stage i'm not devastated yeah. by it but i'm so impressed when i see what you've done and that you yeah. you you allowed it to happen but i'm thinking like it. you know sometimes even um yeah, I sometimes wonder whether the advice we give young girls is really to their benefit because it's fantastic to be independent. It's financially to ha- it's fantastic to have financial independence and have options and all sorts of power over your your life. But there's also a price that comes with all that. Yes. Um, and I don't know if we are completely honest about that. And this focus on, uh, well, have your kids later, focus on your studies and your career. I wonder, sometimes wonder whether that's, you flip that around and you, you know, yeah. you don't always have that as the as the ideal path to to follow because um i think yeah we're going to find out in the coming years what i've realized is everybody's got their own path no matter what you plan i know that but but, but, you know the culture does tell a certain narrative and and a lot of girls are and young women are, are ignorant about a lot of 
a lot of fairly crucial data, including their own fertility. Like, you know, yeah. there's there's just this assumption that, okay, I'll have kids when I'm in my late 30s or early 40s because that's not uncommon these days. But it actually is really difficult and it can be really difficult to do without um, intervention, you know, IVF or whatever else, or it can be even at that stage with IVF, it may not happen. And I just think, again, you know, we talked about how much coverage of COVID we had, and yet there was a fairly profound ignorance about basic statistics around the disease and, and death rates and so on. And I wonder whether it's a similar thing with the culture when it comes to um, the the messages we're giving girls um, and young women. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, it's and just I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. As I said, I've but been up since four a.m. So none of this may be coherent. No, you're doing great. But most, um, I think, I think that most people really um, have dreams and ideals and everything. But it's the ability to be able to just stop and appreciate what you do have. Exactly. That's the fact that um, it's all good. It's all good. No matter what you do in life, you will, that experience gives you your life experience. And it's it's all good. Well, gratitude's a big thing, isn't it? Like if you, if you're a generally a grateful person, then you tend to be happier and you tend to... Yes, appreciate what you've got rather yeah. than always looking somewhere else. But it's... I think that's a wonderful thing about life. We're given options. Yeah. And your whatever options you take, take you into instant But everything places. comes with a cost. That's also, like, you know, as much as you appreciate what you have and, yeah, if you make different choices, a lot of what brings you joy now may not be there but undoubtedly comes with costs so um it's but the cost is also a um is can also be looked at differently because my byline for lily high on life is change your attitude change your life so if you're standing in the middle of something that's happened and all these circumstances that you feel you're a victim to you can think about them differently and that different interpretation of what's happened can raise your level of joy because it's all about how you feel yeah 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 i mean it's outlook is pretty pretty important um Mm. but yeah i mean it's your it's your outlook and you can it's the one thing you can change instantly yeah and that you're in total control over so whatever it is that happens you can make it sound good to yourself if you choose to yeah 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 but it's um, you can't fool yourself that's another thing though you can't um you can change your outlook you can uh, take time to appreciate what you have and 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 you know what you should be grateful for but there are some fundamental you know mistakes that you can't sugarcoat (laughs) like have you got an example or you just um um, um, well you know like not buying a property that you know you should have bought or selling a property you shouldn't have sold you know like you can't sugarcoat that because that's like a black and white 
kind of a mistake. And um, but it's and yeah, still maybe okay. you bought something else. But you know, again, you can compare the two and 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 know you've, you you yeah. took the wrong path. Live life without regrets, wow. <laughs> Rita. It's just been a delight to speak <laughs> to you. It really has. Especially knowing that you got up at four thirty this morning. Yeah, I don't normally. And this is the evening. But I do Sundays and Tuesdays this year. But yeah, so no, I'm not normally one to rise that early. But um, when I've is got that a re- work, stuff yeah, or? yeah. So um, Sundays I've got outsiders, so we, we're on air at nine. So we've got you know a fair bit of prep, and I like to write early. I don't. I prefer to write. Um, as close to the show as I can. Um, you could write the night before if you were sensible. And, um, and yeah, Tuesday I've got the that overtime show we discussed. So, yeah, typically I would not get up this early, but I have been trying to get up earlier because you get so much more out of the day. I mean, Absolutely. Get up at 4.30, that's a long day. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Just tell me what you're looking for, what you're still looking forward to in life. Um... Well, I mean, the next chapter is going to be exciting because I'm not exactly sure um, because a little bit of it is out of my hands. But um, uh, if my son does want to do university in the States, um, that opens up all sorts of different options. And you were born there so you can do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, um, but again, I mean, that's a difficult choice, picking the university, picking the town. Um, So we did a sort of a road trip last year through Texas and he looked at a few campuses and would do another one through Florida um, whilst he's doing his VCE. So, you know, you get a bit of an idea of at least, you know, what the places are like and what the towns are like. Um, so that would be exciting if I did that, but, you know, that that may not be the next step. But be a correspondent so, from the States, maybe. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm not even thinking about the work aspect particularly. Like, I'm sure opportunities will come along, but it's more of a... Well, Dave Rubin's already interviewed you over there and... Yeah. Others, yeah well, so. before he was... Like, he's in Florida now. He, but when I... Yeah, when I first talked to him, he was in California still. So, yeah, there is actually a really quite a growing contingent of media types in Texas and Florida. A lot of them have moved from, like, New York and California and the more sort of traditional markets, you know, where they would normally be because, um, well, they'd they'd rather be in the the red states and particularly with – with the very varied experience America had with COVID where, you know, Mm. New York's and California's were locked down hard and long and Florida and Texas were open and living pretty normally, particularly Florida was first, but Texas was open from March 2021. So that's... Well, I believe that that Donald Trump will get his second term. Well, he's every chance. He's still, I think... Um, well, to me, it's a two-horse race. I mean, it's it, some people still see him as the front-runner. Some see DeSantis as um, in the box seat. But, yeah, it's between those two. I really – and I know it's, it's unwise to say that because the Republican primaries are really hard fought for and, you know, the obvious candidate uh, often doesn't get the selection. But um, – 
I just can't see anybody coming close to those two, yeah. particularly if DeSantis puts his hand and up DeSantis, for You know, the reason I really want Trump to get in is because he's the only one that can get what needs to be done quickly and out of the way because he really doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and then fix it all up and let DeSantis come on in. Well, DeSantis is so young. So, I mean, yes. in the ideal world, which I don't know why everyone says this is not possible, but in the ideal world, it would be um, a DeSantis veep with Trump running it. But Absolutely. Um, but they apparently are too similar and they're both alphas. And I don't know, I've heard all sorts of explanations of why that's... But, again, on paper, that's what you would do if you were DeSantis. Absolutely. Because there's already been an amazing governor through a really uh, yes. remarkable time in history and and you know he went against everybody even went against you know yep what the Trump administration was really advising you know he he um and he, the criticism he copped both in not just Florida and America but internationally was enormous and he withstood it all and then you know you served for 4 years as a veep and then that's the perfect apprenticeship Absolutely. to be president. But Absolutely. no one thinks that's possible. So, that yeah, that little dream, I think it will just start remaining yeah. my head. Yeah, and as, as long as Trump's president, I don't really think it matters who's his vice president because um, Mike Pence proved that it really doesn't matter. But Well, the Veeps are... Well, you can have Veeps who are very powerful, but, yeah, the Veeps are often a fairly... Yeah, um, definitely. It's it's yeah, it's the title more so than the power. Anything else? But I mean, you've you've had some powerful things. <laughs> Rita, it has been absolutely lovely. I am so sorry to have kept you for so no, long. No, no, that's but no. But it's there have been a couple of directions, and loved having you. And. Um, um, look forward to your shows. I I actually tape Outsiders every Sunday, so oh. I don't have to get up at nine o'clock. <laughs> but it's the best show on television. Yeah, Outsiders is as um, for a long time done really well. It's 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 the most watched on Sky News. Um, so it's it's. Um, yeah, which is surprising because it's on a Sunday mornings. You know, normally your yeah. most watch are prime time. You know, seven, eight p.m., six p.m. time slots. So it's a, it's a little bit unusual. But um, yeah, we're lucky because we've got three co-hosts who've just got a good chemistry and a good great mix. chemistry. Yeah. And you and can't manufacture that. You've just got to either get lucky just or think so brilliantly together. Some of the stuff that comes out is amazing. And Rowan also doing spectator as well. It's yeah, like, oh my busy. God, how much can a person do in a day? But well, and James to James is like the um chief political reporter for the telly so he's you know spending all this time in Canberra wow. backwards and forwards so yeah it's it's a busy schedule for everybody so yeah it's um may the good times continue for a whole lot longer <laughs> yeah.